Hi, Lynn. This is Amar Jalat in Canada. How are you? Awesome. So really excited to chat with the number one Canadian immigration attorney here. Uh, we're talking about how to apply for Canadian immigration from USA. And thank you for having me on here. Sure, sure, sure. I just wanted to welcome uh, you and other people on the Facebook who are listening and tuning in live. Uh, guys, we are talking about uh, specifically options for Canada uh, to immigrate here on different categories, whether they are applying from US or Europe, from anywhere in the world. Uh, this is we are talking about. Since I'm talking to Lee Lin, she is based in uh, Los Angeles or no? I mean, yeah, Irvine. So it's very close Irvine. to LA. It's about like Irvine. an hour. Yeah. Correct. And she helps uh, immigrants in U.S. to help them find jobs, which leads to H-1B and other immigration options. So that's that's what she does. And, and I'm here to take calls from Leland about different questions that she may have about Canada immigration. So let me just give you, Lynn, uh, just a brief uh, synopsis of what Canada is all about, and then you can shoot your own questions. So as you know, Canada is one of the so-called developed countries in the world, uh, we invite immigrants from all over the planet uh, based on certain criteria. Ours is a small country based on population, so we are dependent on immigration to fill in the gaps of the dwindling population. Uh, major countries which face population pressure downwards, uh, they attract uh, immigrants like, you know, uh, countries like Australia, England, US, not US that much, Canada, uh, New Zealand, etc. Uh, we have a point system similar to Australia in which we select people based on education, experience, language skills, whether they have a job offer, whether they have a advanced degree and uh, adaptability factors. That means connection to some family member here or some other you know, uh, family relationship. Uh, based on those factors, points are calculated. If the points are enough, then they come into a pool of, of applicants, which is now called Express Entry Pool. And then the Canadian government will invite them to come and apply for a visa and they will immigrate to Canada with their families. Family means husband, wife and dependent children less than 19 years of age. The biggest difference between US and Canada in this kind of system is that US does not have a system, clear and transparent system of attracting uh, skill-based uh, immigrants directly for green card. In US, just like you have a H-1B system, you need to get a job first, and then you have to apply on a certain priority based on country quota and annual quota, and then apply for I-140. Typically, from the H-1B route itself, I, I think, uh, correct me, Lynn, if, uh, if, I, if I'm not uh, accurate, it will traditionally take at least about 12 to 15 years if they are lucky to get the green card. Is that right? It is a definitely a long time. You can renew it for two times, which is every cycle is just three years. So six years and then, you know, you need to get the green card. So right. the whole process. Yeah, it is a very, very long winded process. It's, it's a long, lengthy process. The reason I know this because quite a number of these H1B quota are from India and China and I meet them and I talk to them on a daily basis. I understand and share their frustration. Uh, I, I also uh, get exasperated that these people are highly skilled, technical, high tech people working in Silicon Valley and you know hard tech jobs. And US does not have a, a quick uh, solution to their immigration problems. Everybody who's working in America because of the brand name, because of the legacy of the US, you know, the Statue of Liberty thing, 
they want to apply for their green card, but there's no clear, direct, short, quick path towards getting a green card so that they can live there permanently, happily ever after. Countries like Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, they understand uh, the system and the requirements of these highly skilled immigrants, and that's how they have devised the point system to quickly bring in people. Let me just give you a, a comparison of the length of the processing we are talking about. Just like we said, in H whether somebody is an H1B or L1 or an EB1, or not EB1, EB2, EB3 category, it typically will take 10 years, 50 years, even longer to get if they are lucky to get the green card. Compared to that in Canada, you can get the PR card in in uh, about less than one year. And it, it all depends on the express entry. If you have the points, you are selected in, uh, and then you are invited for the invitation to apply for the visa. And uh, if you don't have any problems like security problems, medical problems, or any other so-called inadmissibility problems, uh, then of course uh, you know they will you will be processed in six months. And uh, less than a year or so, you will have that. PR card in your hand, which is what you need to live here, which is like your green card. After living uh, here in Canada on PR status for four years at present, you can apply for the Canadian passport. Now the Canadian passport under NAFTA treaty, unless Trump changes everything, under NAFTA treaty, we can cross and travel and do a lot of things. Uh, so what I see here on a daily basis is Canadian nationals, Canadian passport holders, they can go to U.S. and work there on a Canadian passport under NAFTA visa, which is called a, well, a TD visa, like a TN visa. So um, there's, a, there's a priority list of occupations. If you're on one of those occupations, for example, engineering is one of them, uh, you will be able to go to, uh, to work in U.S. You have a job offer. You go to the border. border you don't have to go to any office. You just present your Canadian passport, show them your employment offer, and lo and behold, within about 10, 20 minutes, you have the working visa to work in US, which in H-1B requires a lottery and petition and cost and LCA and who knows all the other, other uh, cost and you know uh, distress of not knowing whether you will get it or not. Canadian passport opens the doors quickly, immediately. So I, I see a lot of people here, H1, previous H-1B people who are already uh, who worked there uh, in U.S., they came here based on point system, and now they have the Canadian passport, and now they are applying back to go to work in Silicon Valley based on TN visa. So that's a great advantage that people have. Nonetheless, uh, you know, uh, apart from the job uh, opportunities itself, living in Canada is quite peaceful and tranquil. If you look at the list of, you know, favorite countries to live in the UN list, you know, this called, uh, I forgot the name, it's called Human Development Index list or UNDP list, you know, it says the best places to live in uh, in the world or something. Canada is always in the top 10. Uh, beside the Nordic countries, which is Denmark, uh, you know, uh, what is this, Sweden, yeah, Sweden. and yeah. Norway and stuff, you know, beside that, you know, and by the way, Canada is always on notch higher than America for some reason, because I think America America is pulled down by the lack of, uh, you know, medical uh, things, you know, crime, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, lack of so-called socialist programs, stuff. Canada always uh, get, gets high. And plus, you know, there's not much population here. This, it's a very resource-rich country. So for immigrants, especially coming from uh, the, there are three main countries in the world which send maximum number of immigrants to advanced countries, which is guess what china india and philippines 
countries from these uh, you know uh, these these uh, region they they routinely send a lot of people to to canada and of course they try to do in the us also but since there's no clear path i think they get frustrated and they get uh, you know, uh, towards come to the north, which is we call as the the true north. Mm -hmm. So that's what the synopsis is of uh, more or less of of the Canadian story. Now, if you have any specific questions, you can ask the questions, and then we can draw on. Yeah, thank you so much for giving such a great overview. And you were saying how you know America's great at marketing, but ultimately, I think you did a great job. You know, making your case for Canada, especially of you know what's going on politically. There's something going on every day. Everyone's saying, I'm going to move to Canada. And the way that you laid it out, it seems like a very logical decision. So I love the fact that you went over everything so clearly. Um, so my question is, what's the difference between immigrating to U.S. and Canada in general? What is the difference? The 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 primary, you are you asking about the way to immigrate, the basic way to immigrate? Is that yeah. what you're asking? Yeah, just so, so people can see the difference. So of course, in most countries, let's uh, you know, U.S. and Canada also, there are there are big uh, three main uh, tracks of immigration. One is through economic class, which is like through job or investment. So that's one big uh, box of immigration. The second second box is that uh, through family sponsorship. So let's say if you are a U.S. citizen, if you marry somebody from overseas, you can you can sponsor your spouse. So that's the second way. The third is also always is a humanitarian class, like a refugee asylum class. Uh, those three categories exist in Canada as well. So we only talked about the point system and economic class. The other ways to uh, to immigrate here in economic class is if somebody has a job that you can come here initially in a job uh, job visa and then use the job visa to get points for the PR. The third uh, part of the economic class is the money. Of course, if you have a lot of money, and a lot means about let's say four hundred thousand dollars and or half a million and up, you can invest in Canada and then apply for. Uh, business uh, entrepreneur visa through any of the provincial nominee uh, class. And the, the second box is the family class, of course. Family class means that if I'm a Canadian citizen, I can sponsor my spouse from overseas. I can sponsor my parents from overseas. I can sponsor my grandparents. If I have children from this marriage or you know previous marriage, I can sponsor uh, you know those people as, as well. Uh, and you can, I can even adopt uh, children and they can come as a child, you know, adoptive child. Uh, and the third criteria is, of course, humanitarian and compassionate class, which is also called a refugee class. So that's 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 the broad things in both the countries. Yeah, that's awesome. Love that overview. So um, I just wanted to you know, learn more about your field and how you got started. So how did you end up in Canada and how did you get started in your field? I actually lived in U.S. for some time. I had some family relatives in uh, in Canada and then they invited me to come here. Uh, on the spur of moment, I do not know what was I thinking. I did not know how cold it was here. Uh, it is cold. It gets cold here, the place where I am, and I am in Alberta, the north of Calgary, and it gets cold. Uh, so that's how I came here. I was always connected with the immigration field, even in in California, and I was working for some lawyers, and that's how I got introduced to helping uh, immigrants, uh, including uh, H1B, L1 student visa or uh, refugee applications and stuff. And that's what I continued when I came to Canada. I love that. So basically the title of this broadcast was how you came to Canada. So I love that. <laughs> um, so, 
Um, and I'm just curious. So obviously, you know, we're living in very interesting times. So because you are in, you know, immigrant uh, immigration lawyer living in Canada, what was the actual what was the reaction when Trump was elected? Did people actually call your office? You know, did they blow up your phone saying, how can I immigrate to Canada? Well, uh, even before when Trump was elected, actually, when when he won the nomination, uh, I think uh, people start calling around and they were going to different websites for Canada immigration and searching their options. Uh, most Americans do not really know how to immigrate because they never had the need to. And so they were they were wondering left and right what are the other options to immigrate to Canada. Uh, in fact, there was a news report on the day when Trump uh, won the election. The next day, the Canadian immigration website crashed, the government website for Canadian citizenship immigration Canada. I think it it crashed because there were thousands and thousands of people logging on to the same time. I do not know because of that factor or some other factor, but I think it's just not a coincidence that the website crashed. So uh, Trump actually drew a lot of people to to explore Canadian options, and they were they did that. And uh, you know, at present there, I do not have the statistics, but there are thousands and thousands of people in Canada. Who are American citizens who are living here and they don't want to go anywhere, including back to U.S. Wow, is... uh, can I can I interrupt you just a second? Sure, I know sure, I know yeah. I know some people are watching the show. Uh, at least I can see five people watching the show. Guys, if you have any questions of your own, your personal question, you can type your question on the comment box, and I will read your question and I will try to answer your question. Go ahead, Lynn. Okay, great. So. Um... Just had a brain fart. Okay. So for somebody who's watching, they're probably, you know, wanting to become a successful immigrant or they wanted to see what different options they were. So since you lived in both countries, what do you think are kind of, I guess, the pros and cons of, you know, being an immigrant in both countries? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, uh, both countries have, have, have their own specific advantages and disadvantages, so to say. Uh, one, but there are there are advantages in both countries in, which are fairly common to uh, you know each other but i can tell you this in canada if somebody uh, starting with the weather if somebody does not like cold weather then canada is not a attractive option for them that's that's number one number two i meet a lot of high-tech people who are software engineers and software specialists sometimes they're looking for special niche opportunities in their field and they will not find in canada so canada is not as uh, diverse in job availability for people who are very high, very high tech in, in especially in IT, so they will be better off staying in Silicon Valley if they can get the H1B and green card. Uh, so that's 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 the thing. But otherwise, you know, Canada has superior advantages than than US. You know, just like I said, the the healthcare is of course is absolutely gratis, it's free. Uh, the the schooling system is more or less same. Um, it's, it's, I think if you if you check on Google, which I don't know, if, I think you will find the crime statistics much more favorable in Canada than than in U.S. Uh, and uh, that's that's what it is. It's so it's a more uh, uh, you know on a per capita basis, there are more resources here in Canada than in U.S. But otherwise, you know, there's not much. You know, the culturally, U.S. and Canada are more or less the same. We watch the same show. We watch the same evening news. Uh, pretty much uh, all the movies. Uh, that you people watch in Hollywood, we watch the same thing, the cable, everything more or less. Culturally, there's not much of a difference, um, especially when, when Canadians uh, go to US, you know, we don't even have a, 
Of course, we don't need a visa to go there. We are we are cleared to go. There's a uh, it's called an entry clearance right at the airport itself, and uh, we are cleared from here to go. So there's no clearance in U.S. for us when we when we go there. So that's another special advantage, strategic advantage that the U.S. and Canada has based on the treaties they have signed long time ago. That's great. I love the fact that you gave a pretty fair comparison of everything. You know, if I didn't love the sunshine so much, I'd probably be there right now. So yeah. thank you for sharing now many, that. Many yeah. Canadians, now, many Canadians sometimes, you know, when it becomes too cold, we actually go and spend time in Florida and Arizona. I mean, if you type on Google, it, we are called um, snowbirds. So when it when time comes after Thanksgiving, when it becomes too frigid, you know, we just fly. So, and many people have... Uh, like a condominium in Florida, you know, Arizona, they have, and then they, they just stay there and, you know, they come back uh, in early spring. Yeah, I remember, like, I used to live in Palm Springs and the snowbirds would <laughs> come and then the traffic would just be insane. So thanks. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's very true. So once you get the Canadian visa, you can basically travel back and forth. And, you know, that's totally um, something that a lot of people do already. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's great. So my question, my next question is, um, um, so since you, you've helped so many people immigrate from the U.S. to Canada, what were some of your most successful stories? Um, I, you know, I, I routinely help people, especially who are in some kind of immigration uh, turmoil in U.S., uh, especially people who are undocumented uh, in a sense that they have lost the status, they don't have green card or they are in limbo. Uh, applying for asylum or maybe amnesty scheme or 81 or farmer agriculture program or some other program in which there is a, either a huge wait or delay or there's not much quota to go anywhere. Uh, those people are the most, uh, you know, happy and satisfied when they find options to come to Canada and then they get the Canadian option and they come here. Those are my happiest stories. I will tell you one uh, case where I can... Um, uh, I can describe, you know, what was happening. This is this is in uh, in California. Uh, many people who apply for, for example, asylum in in U.S. and sometimes the asylum gets denied and it goes to the second review, third review, go to the Ninth Circuit, and and, and it's, it used to take time. It used to take like you know several months, if not years, before anything can happen. Meanwhile, these immigrants get uh, employment authorization. That means they are working. And sometimes many entrepreneurs, and these are immigrants, they actually open their own business. So this guy was actually uh, owning several trucks. So he had a transportation business. Uh, based on the transportation business, uh, uh, you know, after many years, when I, when I talked to him, after many years of being in limbo to understand whether he's actually getting approved for the green card or not, I told him, look, instead of wasting time here, you already are an entrepreneur, you already have some money. Why don't you apply to Canada as an entrepreneur program and see if they will take you in? And, and that's what he did. So he applied to Manitoba. Now, Manitoba is just like you call California as a state. We call it as a province. So this is one of the provinces. And Manitoba has a provincial nominee program for entrepreneur. So in entrepreneur program, what they want to see is do you have the experience and the funds to bring here and then set up a business so that you can be self-employed and that's in his case he was he, he was eligible he had the money uh he had the experience and he applied he, he got the nomination he got the visa and his full family is in manitoba now wow compared compared to uh, look at the difference compared to in us where he was 
waiting and waiting and waiting and you know nothing we do not know nothing would have happened even till now unless the policy change and now he's a successful uh, pr card holder like the immigrant uh, in canada and then he can pretty much go anywhere at at the first scenario where there was no option for him he was waiting and there was no option for him even to leave the us and go back to his home country to meet his uh, long lost relatives and now he now he's free he's, he's he has the freedom wow that's amazing you literally changed his life i love that story yeah wow. so, no this is this is the canadian option there's nothing much you know i have done specially from my own side but the canadian option is open to all people from all over the world including in us people who have no status i want to take a few uh, minutes of your time to dwell on uh, many illegal aliens in in us they think that they cannot apply let me just acknowledge this guy uh, who is arif arif musa you said hi if you have a question you can type a question and i will read the question and try to answer the question all right arif thank you so many many people uh, especially who have lost status in us they think they cannot apply to canada that is not the fact that is not true at all i am um, here to pass this message through you and to other people who are listening uh, people in us who do not have status who are so called illegal even they can apply for immigration to canada if they are if they qualify the number one question they ask is they don't have a legal status how can they apply that means they don't have a passport they don't have a i94 valid or they don't have anything else to show that they are legal status the canadian immigration law is very clear if you have been in us for at least one year on lawful status so let me just take some uh, practical example somebody came to us on a study visa or a work visa or a tourist visa or something many years ago like 10 years ago or 5 years ago something and for some reason they have fallen out of status canadian immigration does not care as long as you can prove that you have been in us on a lawful status for at least one one year so one year is all one year is always required if you have been lawfully admitted to us for one year you are eligible to file for immigration status in canada from us itself you don't have to go have to go back to your home country and the processing will be done in in us itself the canadian consulate in us if, if for any case if the processing cannot be done they will send it to your home country where you're from and that's how that's how it is so anybody any anybody can apply uh it's not a question of whether what will happen you know i'll be get rejected or maybe somebody will arrest me or fbi or something so it's not that's not going to happen here as long as you do not have any criminal background you can apply from from us itself there's there's no bar that you require a legal status today to apply you may have had a legal status for one year and then you fallen out of status for variety of reason and we are not going to care about what those reasons are as long as they are not criminal Wow. That's uh, fascinating. It's great to know. Yes. Uh, give me one second. I think somebody is asking a question. Rikhtinder Singh, Jara, you asked me requirement for skilled worker category for Canada. I just uh, uh, said those in uh, Tinder and then I guess uh, we are talking today about how to apply from US. So hold off to your question. Keep watching it. I'm sure I'll revisit that category one more time. All right. <laughs> okay. Let's go ahead. You have some questions. Yeah, sure. So, um I was also curious cuz a lot of people are kind of scared of the immigration process because they never had somebody to go through it. So, what do you think are some of like the common I guess um 
reasons or excuses why people hold themselves back. So, you know, when people are watching, they can say, okay, I have a, you know, fear, but actually it's not that legitimate. What are some of the things that prevent people from applying? People, people may think that once they apply for immigration to Canada, because they're disclosing all the background information, how they came to U.S. or what is the education, work history. Sometimes they may have worked illegally or otherwise somewhere. Uh, people may have some kind of suspicion that the Canadian embassy or Canadian uh, officer or Canadian government will report all of that to the FBI or to local PD or something. And then, you know, there will be a knock on the door next week and they will be taken to the Los Angeles airport and out they go. That is not going to happen, number one. So, all right, so nothing of that will happen. Uh, number two, I know people always always have this lurking suspicion that if I lack a document, just if I don't have a passport, if I do not have uh, a lawful status, I cannot apply, which I already dispelled that notion that, no, that is not true. You can still apply. As far as passport is concerned, you need the passport eventually to get the visa. So sooner or later, you will have to contact your own government to get the passport. So that's another you know, uh, misconception that many people have. Third is about uh, crime. Sometimes people may have drunk driving or theft or assault or something on their, on their criminal record. And sometimes they, they may not know how these things on their criminal record will impact their, their Canadian uh, immigration. So well, I, I, I tell people, you know, why don't you get your FBI fingerprint, uh, you know, that, that, that abstract in advance to see what you have on the criminal record. And then you can always talk to me or talk to any other immigration consultant lawyer to find out whether this can possibly impact the Canadian immigration. Uh, in many cases, it will not. In some cases, if it does, the lawyer will alert you and then you can decide on your own. Let me just give you one example. If, if the person has had a drunk driving, a DUI in the past, uh, let's say three years, four years or five years, uh, since he was uh, at, from the age of 18, and that is uh, unresolved, then there's no way that they will be able to apply for Canadian immigration. So if there's something like this on the background, then forget about Canada. You have to wait till they are, they are called rehabilitated. And after 10 years, they are, they are called deemed rehabilitated. So unless that problem is taken care of, they should not apply. So those are the three, you know, uh, most common um, notions of, you know, confusion people have, you know, whether we should apply or not or something bad will happen to them. I, I, I always tell them, you know, I think you should, they should talk to the, uh, to the immigration lawyer, whomever they like or trust to clear those out initially and then, then decide if they really, you know, disqualify or not. All right. So I've got, uh, who's, uh, let me see who's is asking. Uh, so I've got some question on the screen. Can you read the screen then? Uh, what is this question? I have a question. How do you get work permit? How many times have you possibly get work? Arif Musa, I do not know. Where are you? Are you in the U.S. now? Or this uh, show is for people who are applying from U.S. But I can ask, uh, you know, Lynn, do you want to talk? Uh, do you want to uh, dwell upon how, how do they get this work permit in the U.S.? Then I can talk about Canada. Sure. So um, be aware that I'm not skilled as you. I'm not a lawyer at all. So <laughs> I'm just speaking on like a third third party. But a lot of my clients, you know, they were able to become get the work permit because of their OPTs. So it's a uh, op optical pr practical curriculum. Okay, optional. it's an op optional, optional practical curriculum. So again, not a lawyer. So don't don't take this as legal advice. So basically, you can apply from your school. You can get an OPT 
PT for one year if you're not in a STEM field. But if you're a STEM field, so sciences, engineering, technology, mathematics, you can get a three-year OPT. So from your school, you can get that permit. So if you are in the U.S., you would have to contact your school. Um, your school would issue your OPT. So you'll get a set period amount of time in order to get that job. And you get one year or three years depending on your degree. So I guess they have to be, become a student first. So if they are not in U.S., they are in some other country, they have to enter U.S. first on an F-1 visa first and study something, uh, complete the program, graduate the program, and then become eligible for OPT. Right. So that's one way of going about it, because a lot of the people that I work with, you know, they're master's degree students, PhD students. There are other ways of getting the work permit um, without knowing your background. I don't know exactly which, you know, which type of occupation you are in. Correct. But yeah, that's... Um, yeah, in, in Canada, in in Canada, you know, hold, uh, I see the he's typing something here. Uh, Arif Musa is saying, I'm from Pakistan. So Arif Musa, if you're in Pakistan, you you know, just like uh, Lynn said, you have to apply for a study visa to U.S. to go there first, become a student, graduate from the program, and then become eligible for OPT. And that's how you get the working authorization to start working somewhere. And then hopefully some employer will like you and they can file H1B for you, right? So similar process, similar process in Canada also. In Canada, you have to contact any uh, Canadian employer so that they can hire you on something called, initially they have to do a labor market impact assessment, which is equivalent to Lynn called LCA, just like you have the H-1B LCA labor certification. So they do uh, LMIA in Canada first, and once the LMIA is successful and approved, you can apply for work visa in the Canadian embassy in your country. So that's one way. For students, of course, uh, when they come here, similar process in the U.S., they, they study here for some time. Based on the number of years you have studied, then you get uh, a postgraduate work permit, which is similar to OPT, and that gives you right to work anywhere in Canada, plus once you work for a minimum of 12 months in a professional skill category, you can uh, claim additional points in an express entry skill class and then you can get higher points. So that's that's an advantage that the student has. Thank you, uh, Mr. Arif says, thank you for the response. I hope that he likes my answer. Anybody else who has any question, you can ask me the question. So that's 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 pretty much, uh, Lynn, is the, is the story. That's great. Cause I just have one last question. So a lot of people do worry about the TN visa and the H-1B visa. So can you talk a little bit more about the differences between them? So people who are, you know, on H-1B or on uh, TN visas can get to know what it is. A TN visa, just like uh, we mentioned earlier, is given to NAFTA countries, which is U.S. Uh, from uh, U.S., Canada and Mexico are three uh, signatory countries unless Trump changes now. Uh, so this is a NAFTA treaty-based employment benefit given to all countries in this group. Uh, from Canada, uh, we have a list uh, which is shared between all countries. So if you are on the list, this is a professional list of occupations. If you're on the list, all you have to have a job offer in that category, pay a fee of $50, $50 US, present to the border from here, from Canada to US. That's it, you get the visa on the spot. Uh, the initially the visa is given for one year there's no labor certification required the family the spouse and the children can accompany the main applicant to us and then they live there uh, so the main applicant works in us but the wife cannot and the children can go to any public school wherever they are living 
So that that is what the TN uh, visa is. Very quick, is fast, and uh, once you're on TN visa in US, you can always extend it uh, in the increment of which I don't. I'm thinking I think one year or three years. It's very possible that uh, the initial TN visa you can get it for up to three years if you have the contract for three years, and then you can always extend it within within US uh, itself uh, to applying to USCIS. The H-1B, as you as you already uh, mentioned earlier, H-1B requires H-1B is a quota based, open to all people anywhere in the planet, not just specific to Canada only or Mexico. Uh, it has a lottery system. It has a higher burden of proving that you know whether jobs should be given to Americans or or foreigners, as Trump doesn't like uh, foreigners to claim jobs given to U.S. citizens. So uh, that's that's the problem. And uh, we don't know who will get the H-1B or not, more or less is a lottery system. TN visa is not a lottery system. So that's what it is. And H-1B, I think the maximum term right now, you can extend it for six years, and then uh, in some cases up to 10 years. So that's the principal difference. So somebody somebody is asking a question here. Uh, let me guess. Um, Okay, Batch. Uh, can you see this question, Lynn? Uh, the screen. Yeah. What is the right time to apply for U.S. visitor while living in Canada? I did not understand your question. I should say, what is the right time to apply for U.S. visitor visa? You are living in Canada. I do not know what. Are you a Canadian citizen? Are you a Canadian? What is your status in Canada? If you have a Canadian passport or a Canadian PR card, uh, if you have a Canadian passport, then you, of course you don't need a visa. If you have a PR card, you should go to the uh, online system of getting a U.S. visa appointment and apply for U.S. Uh, visitor visa anytime. So I do not know what is the right time. Anytime after you are a PR, even if you are on a student visa or or a work visa, you can still apply based on the passport. They will they schedule an interview and they will tell you on the spot. So I hope uh, that answers the question. Oh, Basha says I'm on student visa. So if you're on student visa, I already mentioned this. So you have to apply. Uh, online for the appointment and they pay the fees, which I think right now is $160 they charge US uh, for the fees. And then uh, then you apply for a visa interview, depending on where you are, uh, and they will call you for interview. I've got another person, uh, Arpita Alwale, can we get PR after doing PhD from US? Of course, uh, after doing PhD from USA, uh, you will always fall in the in the skill class category, that means you get points for based on education, experience, language, job offer, family connection, etc. So after PhD, you need one year of experience in in USA before you can apply for skill class. So without job experience, you cannot apply for PR. So I guess Lynn, uh, once she does a PhD, then of course she has an OPT. Yeah, she totally. has, she has an OPT, and then she works for somebody, and then hopefully she has. The job experience and then that's that's how she applies arpita aluwali pr in canada i don't know what the yeah arpita aluwali i already mentioned uh, what needs to be done so you need a uh, minimum 12 months experience uh, before uh, you apply for skill class so i hope that answers your question anybody else who wants to ask any question to me all in lynn is in california and us you can ask her anything about how to get jobs uh, in uh, US, and then she will give you your uh, your response. Uh, so how, how else do you help people? I, I I understand that you train people, you coach immigrants to to nail down that crucial job interview so that they can get the job and get onto their life, right? 
Yeah, definitely. So I teach them how to network. A lot of international students have been basically studying nonstop for two or four years. They don't never have been taught how to network in the way that Americans know it. Um, and they don't know how to write their resume in the way that makes sense or write a cover letter that really expresses their true self. And uh, of course, we do interview and then also salary negotiation. You know, one time I was in like a Vegas hotel, helped my client <laughs> land a 115000 a year job at eBay as a software engineer. One of my proudest moments for Sure. So, yeah, wow. that's a little bit about what I do. I'm basically virtual all over the world. I'm a lot of international students working with me, PhDs, master's degree students. And I get to talk to awesome people like you, you know, because it's, you know, basically location free. So that's a little bit about me. But I'll let you answer the questions that are coming in. Yes, uh, I've uh, had people who said thank you for this. And I would say, who else is asking? What is the criteria background check when you apply for PR after completion of study, getting through the work permit for? The background check is an important part of any uh, PR process, both in US and Canada. Uh, they require your police clearance certificate from the country where you are from. So if you're in Pakistan, they will require that you get a police clearance certificate from, uh, from all the years since the age of 18. So a lot of people, uh, Lynn, for example, you know, I've had uh, uh, many people who are living in many countries uh, after they left their country, they worked and uh, they, they studied somewhere else and they worked somewhere else in two, three jurisdiction. All the countries, wherever they have lived for more than six months, Canada requires police clearance certificate. And sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes, uh, uh, you know, sometimes those reports are, you know, um, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, they're missing in some countries, you know. For example, I had a person who was about 50 years of, uh, of age and he said, Oh, I was working in Saudi Arabia 20 years ago, 30 years ago. That was my passport and it was a manual, like a, not a computerized visa. There was a little stamp. I don't have any records. How do I apply? And, you know, how, you know I, I say I have no idea. You need to contact the Saudi Arabian, uh, you know, uh, embassy in your, in your country where you are and see if they can help you. So sometimes these processes are very delayed. And, and they don't get any results in concrete. So these are the questions that people need to recognize early in, in the process to understand they will need the PCC, Police Clearance Certificate, eventually for Canada immigration. So they need to take those steps in advance unless it's, uh, you know, gets delayed. All right, so I hope that answers the question. Arpita Aluwalia says, thank you. Is there any other question? Yeah, I am from India, and I've heard from many people, they say that international office spending was a long time in Canada. They don't ask for PCC for home country. That is that is not true, uh, Bacha. Uh, that is not true. Everybody requires a police clearance certificate from their home country or where they live, except Canada. So as an international student, if you are studying in Canada, and then you get a work permit, and you, then you're working here for a few years, that means if you have spent already five, six years here, they will not ask you clearance from Canada. They will find out on their own, unless there's some, some reason to ask you. But for the home country where you were earlier before coming to Canada, they will ask you to get the police clearance certificate and there's no other way uh, that you can uh, back out from actually producing the police clearance certificate. So I, I hope that that answers your, your question. So uh, that's, uh, let me see if I, somebody else has any question. So, uh, you know, uh, coming back to US, I always uh, uh, hear stories of uh, people crossing over the border from, um, uh, from the, uh, you know, 
from from I think uh, Minnesota for, and Manitoba. They they have they share a common uh, you know like a border line. And in the past, there were several stories of people crossing over from U.S. into Canada uh, because of whatever their reasons are, political and economic reasons. And what they do is they are primarily like Somalian refugees or from uh, Latin American refugees, and they are applying for refugee in Canada. Uh, have you heard the stories? Have, do you know? About I have them? not. This is my first time hearing it, but that's yeah, fascinating. You, if you if you do the Google search, if you see if you type Google search, you know migrants from U.S. crossing over to Canada, you will see many. And all of uh, you know till till uh, till now, I think the statistics have shown that more than four thousand people have crossed. Wow, four thousand people have crossed, and they are in different states applying for refugees. So they will be assessed based on the criteria we have. Uh, just to let you know, there's a safe third country agreement between two countries that. Uh, that signifies that you know the, when the person arrives in U.S., he will not shop around for refugee. That means he will apply for refugee in U.S. first, and then and then not like use if they deny for U.S. unless there's some exception, then he cannot use those option to you know first try the U.S. and then try in Canada and vice versa. So it's called STCA. You can read about this in Google as well. But many people are are, are applying, and you know there are different uh, you know stages of, of processing. Wow, that's fascinating. I need to start reading your feed more because you're so updated, up to date on all these stories, but I'm going to check that out for sure. So um, awesome. So yeah. all, all these people, you know, especially uh, I must also uh, make you aware and let other people know that uh, people from Mexico, whether they are illegally in U.S. or they have come legally or they are in Mexico, the Mexico and Canada has a, a special arrangement by which anybody who has a Mexican passport, they do not need a visa to come to Canada. I, I bet you didn't know this. Wow. Yeah, that is uh, opens up a lot of new possibilities, I'm sure. Yes, yes. So let's, let's, let's take a situation on, uh, uh, you know, just like uh, people from... Uh, Europe and Australia and other countries in Japan, uh, they can come to Canada on just an electronic visa, on an electronic authorized called an ETA. So they can just uh, pay $7, go online, put in your information and passport information, and they get electronic approval right on the spot within a few minutes. And they print it and they can buy a ticket and then fly and, and, and enter. So I'm thinking of somebody who is in San Diego or who is in Tijuana, or who is somewhere in El Chapo, or sorry, whatever, Calexico, or not El Chapo, sorry, not El Chapo, I say El Chapo. Uh, yeah, you know, if, if they are thinking, if they are contemplating, you know, crossing over the border and coming to LA for working in, uh, you know, illegal or going to Fresno, Bakersfield to, for farm work, I tell them, look, do not do that, there's no need. If you, ha if you are a legal citizen of Mexico with a passport, why not fly directly from Mexico City to Canada? Come to Canada. You will get uh, stay for up to six months. You are a you are a visitor, like you are a tourist visitor. Come here and then search for employer. Don't work. I'm not asking anybody, by the way, to work unauthorized. Don't work. Meet the potential employers. Get a job offer. Ask the employer to do an LMIA for them and start working illegally. Oh, start working legally. Sorry. I don't want to use the word illegally. Start oh, working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start working. Starting working legally. So instead of wasting their life 
and other resources crossing illegally to US, they should use the Canadian option to come here and then explore uh, how they can become permanent here. Wow. It's a brilliant guy. Everyone like is genius talking for sure. All right. So I'll let you take some questions. Yes. Yes. Let's see. What is this last question here? I have to read carefully the screen. Rakesh Prajoli, I have five years experience fast food chain. Can I apply as a restaurant manager? Is this interrelated post? I want to apply Canada. Can I apply? Yes, you can apply. Uh, you have five years experience in fast food chain. I do not know what you're doing in fast food chain. Were you a kitchen dishwasher or you're a manager or GM? We have no idea. But as long as you have a skilled experience, uh, you can use that to qualify for express entry and the point system. So as the point system, as I said earlier, requires language scores, requires uh, education, requires experience. Uh, and you know, then you can look at your points and express entry. And then if you have enough points, you're eligible to come in and that's all it is. So it doesn't matter uh, whether it's a restaurant field or some other field. So uh, what you need Rakesh is you have to go to Google and then type express entry, or you can go to my, my website, look at some videos about uh, express entry assessment, and then you will see it on your own. Either you do it on your own for free or you go to any lawyer immigration consultant and they can do it for you by charging some assessment fee. But everything is online and transparent on the government website, including on my website as well. So I hope that that helps. Uh, so you see a lot of people, they like going to Canada and they, they love. Canada has a big, uh, uh, you know, big following from especially India, Philippines and China. Uh, to come here because they view Canadian system as a direct, uninterrupted, and a clear, transparent path. They know in advance how they will qualify, and they don't have to depend on somebody else, like an employer or something else, to to step onto the Canadian immigration ladder. They will, sitting in their home country, they will know in advance how many points they have, what is the chance of getting selected, and what does it need? What documents do we need to complete the process in advance? So that is a big difference from from U.S. system. So let me see. Somebody else is asking question. Lynn, can you see this question on the screen? Yeah. Yep. Sebastian Roth. Uh, what happens in the case of refusal? Is there a possibility to go? Of course, Sebastian. I do not know what refusal you're talking about. Uh, whether this is a temporary visa refusal or a PR refusal or a refusal for sponsorship, unless you uh, tell me exactly what refusal you're talking about. There are some appeal options to some categories. Uh, other categories, there are no appeal option. All right. So um, I have to know your complete history. But of course, uh, if you're lo looking to go to a court, if you are a foreigner living in a different country, I, I do not know how will you go to the court. You have to hire a lawyer to represent you from there. So you applied, uh, oh, she's writing. So you applied as a PR and you were refused as a PR. So we need full information, Sebastian, to give uh, you some, uh, you know, specific based information based on your situation. So this is incomplete information. So that's the Canadian story, Lynn. And how are things turning out in the U.S.? Yeah, things are going good. But, you know, after what you said about it, I think everyone's like, how can I get to Canada now? I think you did you know, amazing job answering everyone's questions as well. I, I see I see some more questions coming in, so I'll let you answer. So, uh, no, I am in the country. If you're in Canada, excuse me. <coughs> if you're in Canada, you have been refused. 
So we need to have more information on why you refuse. And, you know, maybe I cannot, uh, I should not discuss your private information here on the screen. <coughs> I caught some cough. <coughs> so it's, it's better maybe you can uh, email me directly, all right? So I'm going to write my email address. Awesome. And while I do that, I'm just curious how, if they're interested in working with you, how can people get into it? <coughs> so, um, so the way I work is I have a website and uh, people do contact me from the website. And, and that's how they, they, they uh, schedule a consultation and then I try to solve the problem and give them specific advice what they can do. So either they can do it themselves or they want to hire me or they can, they can hire somebody else. So it doesn't matter. So uh, somebody else is asking, uh, who is, this? is PNP working in Ontario? You got to go to Ontario website to find out is PNP working. PNP Lynn is a provincial nominee program. Provincial nominee program is, uh, it's designed to select immigrants based on certain criteria and uh, based on some job offer or maybe they have studied there or worked there. That's how the province invites people. So the laws and, uh, uh, and the procedure keeps on changing. And uh, of course, there's a quota system in everywhere. So and sometimes they open at certain times. So you have to go to the Ontario uh, you know, website and then find out if they are taking an application at that time or not. Sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. So that's what you have to do. Perfect. So that's all the questions are, guys. If you have any more questions, you can ask me. Otherwise, uh, unless you have, Lynn, any more questions, you can. Sure, go ahead. Uh, is there anything else that immigrants who are trying to go from the U.S. to Canada, is there anything that they should know? Have you been you know, bombarded with certain types of questions you think people should know beforehand? Yeah, what, one, of the, one of the general information about uh, somebody going from us to canada or canada to us they must be aware that the us and canada share the immigration databases so if i'm applying from us to canada don't don't ever think that you know i've done something in us that the canadian government will not know they will come to know so that's kind of the opposite of what you were saying before um you know or am i no. am i getting confused i mean they will come to know i mean uh if, the, if, some, if there's something bad, then it is bad. But it all depends on what the crime is, what the violation is, and, and that will decide. Cool. There was one question. All right. Uh, let's see. Sorry, of course, I'm not refusing, but I applied and got refused in the past. The reason this last four hundred I. So that's not enough information, Sebastian. I did specify. I need to see a refusal letter. What they're talking about? They must have mentioned a immigration category or section to say why you refuse. All right. So I need to see that refusal letter to understand what that is. All right. So, uh, Lint, uh, I appreciate your uh, asking me all these questions, and I wish. Good luck to many applicants from the U.S. If they have any questions, they can always contact me. Yeah, my, definitely. Yeah, my email address is also on, was on the screen, async29 at gmail.com. 
Awesome. Great. And thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview. It's very thorough, very comprehensive. I think you've probably convinced half the people watching this just to go to Canada, even if they're not immigrants. So that's great. Um, so uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having this Q&A session. All right. Take care. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.